the Lord, everybody. The Lord. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord again tonight. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I know it's not a normal service night. Amen. And so some folks aren't here. But I'm thankful that no matter what night of the week we meet, that God is here before we get here. Amen. Praise God. But it's good to be in His presence one more time. Amen. Praise God. You know, God knew who was going to be here before we even knew there was going to be church tonight. Praise God. And God knows what He is doing. Amen. And I'm thankful to be a part of His kingdom. Praise God. It is His kingdom, not ours. Excuse me, but I'm glad to be a part of His kingdom. Amen. Amen. Praise God. If you turn with me in your Bibles tonight to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 23. Amen. I do want to say again, it has been an honor Amen. to be preaching these services. And I'm thankful for what God has done for us. Amen. Praise God. I don't, I'm glad to be where I'm at right now and not where Brother Reagan is. Amen. He texted me about, I think it was 1130 or so, and said he had a half hour until he boarded his airplane. And then he gets here at 1130 tomorrow. Praise God. So, hallelujah. 16 straight hours sitting in an airplane. I've done it for four hours straight, and that's long enough. Praise God. Brother Jared knows what it is to do two eight hours back to back. But amen. It's... I'm sure miserable. Praise God. 2 Samuel 23, verse number 9. says, And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo the Ahoite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle. The men of Israel were gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. The Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. Praise God. Hallelujah. For a little bit tonight, to speak on the subject of do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Amen, amen. Can you raise your hands, ask the Lord to have his way in this place. God, we love you. Lord, we're thankful for your presence. We're thankful for your touch Lord, that we already feel in this place, God, and we're asking, Lord, that you would just have your way among us, Jesus. God, we want nothing more than your will to be done in this place, God. Lord, that you would have your way. God, I need your touch, need your help tonight, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, you're wonderful, God. You're wonderful, God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, you're mighty and wonderful, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. And you may be seated. Praise God. We've read here today about one of David's mighty men of valor. Amen. By the name of Eliezer. Praise God. He was the son of Dodo. Amen. You know he's tough when your dad's name is Dodo. Praise God. <laughs> hallelujah. You've been in a few fights. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. But he was one of David's mighty men of valor. This story that we have read about today was not Eliezer's first fight. Amen. It wasn't the first time that he went 
to battle. But he was in this list here of it's um, 20, or 2 Samuel 23. You can read through here. It's, the, it's kind of like David's all of his mighty men. He starts with his biggest and, and works his way through these mighty men. And here is Eliezer. That's one of them. He gets two verses of scripture talking about one instance that he stepped out. Amen. Out of the common, if you would. And, uh, and he, he was a man that he, he, he couldn't handle what was going on. He couldn't handle that, that, that what was happening with these Philistines coming in. And they, and they defied them. And they, they were gathered together to battle. And the men were gone away. There wasn't an army together. But this man stood out by himself. Hallelujah. He rose alone and stepped out to fight the Philistines. And he fought for so long that, that he swung that sword that his hand claved to his sword when the fight was finally over and the Philistines fled and he won that great victory. He, he couldn't even let go of his sword because he, he was so tightened on to it and uh, his hand was just anchored to that sword and, uh, and he won that great victory and, uh, and the people came after him and returned there only to spoil Hallelujah. You see, Eliezer was a man that no, no matter that he was outnumbered, no matter that there was nobody to stand with him, he said, I refuse to quit. Hallelujah. I know we were just here Sunday night, but I'm telling you, we've got to get it down inside somewhere that no matter what the enemy brings against me, no matter if I have to stand by myself, uh, no matter how hard it looks, uh, I refuse to quit. Uh, I'll swing that sword uh, until victory comes. Uh, I'll fight uh, until the victory comes. Uh, I'll fight uh, until the enemy turns to flight. Uh, I'll fight uh, until we win this battle. Uh, I'm not going to quit. Uh, I'm not going to step aside. I'm not going to let someone else fight. But I'll fight all the way to the end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I tell you what, there's sometimes when you step out, you may step out by yourself, but the blessing don't just come to you. But because you're willing to fight, there's a whole group of people that get blessed. Woo, hallelujah. Eliezer just said, I'm not going to give up. Amen. I'm telling you what, if, we're no, if we take that same attitude and say, I'm not going to give up, the same God that gave Eliezer a victory will give us a victory. Because it wasn't just Eliezer's strength or fighting ability that won him that battle. But the Lord was on his side. Let me tell you something. You are a child of the king. The Lord is on your side. And if you're willing to step out and fight, he'll be there with you every step. He'll be there for every swing of the sword. He'll be there for every attack, every battle. You're his child. You're fighting for his kingdom. And he'll be there with you. Hallelujah. But I don't have the abilities as some have. I don't, I'm not equipped like some people are for the battle. There's a man that 
You can read about in the book of Judges. There's just a few verses of scripture about him. Amen. He was a man by the name of Shamgar. Amen. He was a judge of Israel. And the biggest event of his life was a day when again the Philistines came in. And they came in to take the crops. And they came in to take the things from the Israelites. And he was tired of it. He was sick of working all year to have them come steal his stuff. And so he didn't have a sword. He didn't have a spear. He didn't have a bow and arrow. All he had was an ox goad. Hey, man, they say it was a stick maybe six to eight feet long. It was pointed on one end, flat on the other. They jabbed the ox with one end. They scraped their hooves with the other. That's all he had. But he stepped out with an ox goad, and he killed 600 Philistines in one day. And what a tremendous victory because he was tired of being defeated. So he used what he had. Let me tell you something. If we want to see victory, we've got to be used. We're willing to use what God has given to us. We've got to be willing to step out with the talent and ability that God has given us and say, you know what? It's all I've got. Here it is, Lord. Use it however you will because I want victory. It may not look like much, but I'm telling you, you can put a little bit in the hands of God and he'll bring tremendous victory. Hallelujah. But I'm not a speaker. I'm not brave. I don't know. I can't do that kind of stuff. Honey, you can pray. You can pray. You can get on your knees and fight the battle. You can pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you read on in 2 Samuel 23, verse number 11, it says, And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herorite. The Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. The people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. Amen. Once again, that old enemy, the Philistines, showed up on the scene. Came in in a troop in the middle of an old bean patch. Some would say, man, that ain't worth fighting for. Hey, man, when I was at Bible school, a guy got up and preached one day, it is worth a hill of beans. Because to Shama, it was something to defend. It was something worth fighting for. Some would have said, man, it's just a little patch of beans, a little patch of lentils. It ain't worth giving up your life for. No, no, no. To Shama, it was worth it. I don't even know if it was his lentil patch, but I'm telling you, there was something about it. He said, no, you're not coming in and taking it. I'll stand here by myself and defend it. And the Lord wrought a great victory. Now, I'm t- 
tell you something tonight. I love the story of Shama because there's something about that bean patch. It just, I tell you what, sometimes folks think, uh, why are you fighting for the church? Why are you fighting for that? It doesn't matter much. That little stand doesn't matter too much. Let me tell you something. It's worth fighting for. This truth is worth fighting for. This church is worth fighting for. I'm telling you, the gospel is worth fighting for. To some in this world, they say, oh, it's just a bean patch, honey. This is my life, and I'm willing to fight for it. If I've got to fight alone, if I have to stand in the patch alone, I'm not giving up. It's worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. Oh, but my brother gave up. My sister gave up. My friends gave up. It gets discouraging. I understand that. But it's still worth fighting for. Hallelujah. David stood there that day with all the armies of Israel hiding in caves and said, is there not a cause? Men that had been in battle before saw the great king, that man that stood head and shoulders above everybody else, hiding in his tent. There was David, untested in war, but he said, is there not a cause? Hallelujah. To him, it was a cause worth fighting for. Not because of the giant, not because it was the Philistines, but because that man stood up there and defied the God of Israel. Oh, hallelujah. Let me tell you something. There's gods of this world and people of this world that are defying our God tonight. And I'm telling you, it's a cause worth fighting for. I'm not one that's going to stand by as a pacifist uh, as they come by every unrighteous thing, uh, immoral thing, uh, and try to make it okay. Honey, there's some things uh, I don't care who says it's legal. It's not according to the word of God. It is an abomination, uh, and it's a cause that is worth fighting for. I'm not going to stand by and say it's okay for a man to marry a man. It is against the word of God. I don't care if family members do it. I don't care who does it. It is an abomination unto God. God hates it. We heard just a week or two ago that we're to hate what God hates and love what he loves. I'm not going to sit back and by my silence be okay with it. Hallelujah. There's some things that are worth fighting for. I'm not going to stand by while some who still claim to be apostolic or Pentecostal water down the gospel. It still takes repentance. It still takes water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. It still takes the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in an unknown tongue. It still takes renewing the Holy Ghost. It's not a one-time experience, but you're saved by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. 
we still must walk a separated and consecrated life separated unto him Hallelujah. It's a cause worth fighting for. <coughs> Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Second Kings chapter 7, we read a story. Man, it was a bleary, bleak day in Samaria. Man, they were under siege. Folks were starving to death. In fact, they were paying lots of money for dove's dung. I've been hungry before, folks. But nowhere near that hungry. Hallelujah. There's some things folks find disgusting that I find good. Give me a raw oyster, I'll slurp it down. Praise God. They're wonderful. I've ate escargot. As long as I don't see him still in the shell, I'm okay. <laughs> Amen. Pretty adventurous. But I ain't never ate dove's dung. But yet these folks were starving. They were so bad that two mothers got together. And they said, hey, let's take your baby and boil it and eat it today. Tomorrow we'll take mine and boil it and eat it. That first mother said, okay, and they killed her child. They cooked it and they ate it. The next day, she came to the king furious. Not because she ate her child, but mad because the other woman went and hid hers. They were in desperate straits. Sitting in the gate of the city were four lepers. Amen. Men that really nobody wanted. Nobody wanted them in the city. I guess nobody cared outside to say they're sitting in the gate. And finally one of them looked at the other ones and said, Why sit we here until we die? Why sit we here until we die? And they begin to talk amongst themselves. And the way I look at the story, they, they gave themselves three options. They said, we can go back into the city and we're going to starve and die. We can stay right here and we're going to starve and we're going to die. But the Syrians, they have plenty down in their camp. We should go to them. And if they kill us, we will but die. So their options were to stay where they were and die, go behind them and die, or get up and go and maybe live, or maybe die. And so they got up and began to walk down to the Syrians. And I, I tell you what, I don't know how God did this, okay? But when they began to walk towards the camp of the Syrians, the Syrians didn't hear for shuffling lepers. But the Bible said that they heard chariots. They heard an army marching and they, in fear, they fled for their lives. And when these lepers get to the camp, all they find is an abandoned camp. They find tables that were already set with food prepared. And they begin to sit down and eat. They found gold. They found silver. They found clothes. They found everything they could want. 
But then they said, you know what? We aren't doing right. We've got everything, but yet behind us, there's still a city that's starving. So they go back to the gate and they tell the watchman there at the gate. And they sent out a spy to see if it was really right. And when they saw that it really was true, that city bombarded that camp. And all of a sudden, they were eating good again. They were saved because of four men that weren't content to sit where they were. Four men that said, we can't go backwards and we can't stay right here. The only way that we might live is to get up and go forward. Let me tell you something in the church of the living God. We may have some options. We can sit right where we are and someday we're going to stagnate and die. We can backslide and go back where we came from, but there we're going to die. But if we want to find life, if we want to find revival, it's going to happen when some get up and say, I'm not content to just sit here. I'm not content just to be what I am. I'm going to get up. I'm going to push on. I'm going to get up and go because ahead of us is revival. Ahead of us is salvation. I refuse to just sit here, but I'm going to push. I'm going to press. I'm going to fight. Because the answer's just ahead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. If everybody's content just to sit on a church pew, if everybody's content to come in on midweek service and prayer meeting and Sunday morning and Sunday night and experience the presence of God, and that's all they want. Eventually, it's going to stagnate and die. You get water flowing one way into a pond and not flowing out. Eventually, that pond will stagnate. And nothing can live in that place. Everything comes into the Dead Sea. Nothing goes out. And there's no life found there. But when somebody finds that determination and says, I don't know what we're going to face over there. I don't know what's going to happen when we walk into that camp over there. But that's the only way that we're going to keep having life. That's the only way we're going to survive is to get up and go to that camp. I know the enemy's big. I know there's a lot of them. And we're just four. But that's the only way. That's the only place that we can find salvation. So let's get up and go. Hallelujah. Because of four that took action. Amen. Because of four, God used those four to save a whole city. What will happen in this place, in this city, if we get fired up and get that same drive that those four lepers had? I said, I'm willing to get up and I'm willing to go. Hallelujah. Preaching about doing it again, Lord. Do it again. God wants to bring great revival, 
But it's going to take some folks with the, with that drive, with that zeal that says no matter how I feel right now, no matter how hungry I am, no matter how tired I am, no matter how weak I am, I'm going to get up and go. I'm going to get up and press on. I'll get up and push because I know that just ahead is what I'm looking for. That just ahead is the food I need. Just ahead is the life that I need. But I've got to push my way there. Hallelujah. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, Go tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. Go tarry there until the promise of the Father comes to you. Go stay there. Amen. In Acts 2 and 1, very familiar portion. Most of us can probably quote it. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The amazing thing to me about that story, of course, we know it's the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost, and, and that's awesome. But I'll tell you the thing that I love about this story is that they were all filled. There wasn't one person in that room that did not leave that room full of the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you that God has not changed from that day until this. There's no reason for us ever to walk out of this place not filled with the Holy Ghost. But I'm telling you, God wants to fill us every time we come in here. We can push our way through and leave this house full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. But the key to this experience, I believe, was when it said they were all with one accord in one place. You see, if we're to see this kind of the move of the Holy Ghost, it's going to be when we fight together. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon writing in chapter 4, verse number 9, wisest man who ever lived said two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's times that we're going to slip and trip and fall. But when we're together, we can lift up the one that falls again verse 11 again if two lie together then they have heat but how can one be warm alone there's many stories that I have read about survival people that are lost people that are maybe trying to escape prison camps and what they would do in that intense cold is they would huddle right up together and share that body heat not trying to be selfish, but trying to help each other. Ecclesiastes 4 and 12 says, And if one prevail against him, two 
shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You get in one-on-one combat. Amen. It's a struggle. You get two-on-one. It's a little bit easier. You get three-on-one. There's not a whole lot to it. I've known some men that could take on two-on-one and three-on-one. But I'm telling you what. They better hope them three ain't much. Amen. Or you're going down. There's something about a unified force. David said, how pleasant is it for brethren to dwell together in unity. Boy, we got quiet all of a sudden. This ain't exciting anymore. You don't want revival anymore? You don't want, a, you don't want that Acts chapter 2 experience? Hey Amen. Where sinners walk in the door and leave filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't believe it's the will of God for them to walk in here and walk out still unsaved. Amen. But I'm telling you what, if the church binds together when those sinners walk in here, I'm telling you there's something that can happen. You can touch heaven. You can shake things. And they can leave and walk out a different person. But if they walk into a church where there's division, where there's infighting, I'm telling you they're going to walk out and you'll probably never see them again. But when you dwell together in unity, when you're bound together, I'm telling you, you can touch heaven. I tell you what, I'm tired of seeing sinners walk out still sinners. I'm tired of watching the sick leave still sick and those bound leaving still bound. I'm telling you, it's time for us to get together and touch heaven. That deliverance can come. Hallelujah. It doesn't just happen in the house of God. Yes, we should be here together. Yes, we've got to worship God together. We need to pray together. But I'm telling you, we better be praying together outside of the church hours, outside of service time. We better be touching heaven. We better be praying for each other. Amen. I'm going to read some more passages of Scripture here that are probably familiar. Amen. They go on further in the same chapter, verse 37. When they heard this, they heard that Holy Ghost anointed message preached by Peter. They were pricked in their heart, saying to Peter, the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? You know what? We need to create an atmosphere every service that the sinners are saying, what shall I do? What do I have to do? I want what you've got. I want what I'm feeling right now. I don't even know what it is, but what do I have to do? Peter said unto them, repent. Be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words that he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. 
the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Has God changed since Acts chapter 2? Has God changed since Acts chapter 2? How about Acts chapter 4? Verse number 1, And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple, the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Woo, that's encouraging. Grabbed a hold of them because they didn't like what they were preaching. And threw them into prison. How be it? Many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. Hallelujah. So what's changed since Acts chapter 4? Or Acts chapter 2? Do we desire to see miracles as they saw them? You could talk about Acts chapter 3. When Peter and John went up to the house of the Lord at the hour of prayer. There was that man sitting at the gate lame from his birth. Begging alms of them that were entering in. And they said, silver and gold have I none. Such as I have give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he leaping up stood. And entered into that place with them. Leaped shouting and leaping and praising God. What's changed since Acts chapter 3? We desire to see miracles. We desire to see revival. We desire to be used of God. We desire victory. We desire deliverance. But what are we willing to do about it? We've preached talked here about a few men today that all took action to see their goal. Not one of them sat back and waited for somebody else to do it. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what, I'm preaching to myself today as well. But oftentimes when the preaching's going forth, uh, instead of letting it hit us in the chest uh, and taking action, uh, we get our shovel out. Uh, you know what we're doing? We're but someone behind us catches it. It's time to say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. I'll do it. I'll go fight. I'll step out. I'll be the one that goes. I'm not going to leave it to my brother. I'm not going to leave it up to the pastor. But I'm going to go. I'm going to fight. I'll be the one who steps out. I'll be the one who has faith. I'll be the one that knows that when someone's prayed for, they're going to be healed. I'll be the one who exercises my faith. Hallelujah. These men, it seems like we're all forsaken. They were all alone. People left them by themselves. People fled when they saw the enemy coming. But there was something rose up inside of them that said, no, I can't run today. Today's the day to fight. Yeah. 
Today's not the day to run. Today's not the day to expect somebody else to step up. Oh, hallelujah. But today's the day that I have got to step up and say, I'm willing because I want to see you do it again. I want to see a book of Acts revival. Hallelujah. I don't know how many it is now that have been baptized over in Africa that are preachers preaching a false doctrine that have had a revelation of truth. But I want to tell you tonight that I believe with everything in me, the same God who's bringing revelation in Zimbabwe and Botswana can bring revelation right here in Olathe. I don't care how long they've preached false doctrine. I don't care how long they believed it. The same God can bring revelation to them if we're bold enough to step out and present it to them. It's not time to be ashamed of the gospel. It's not time to step back and hide it in our pocket. It's time to preach it. It's time to tell it and tell it to whoever, to every opportunity to spread this message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There could be somebody that this week is preaching in a church preaching a false doctrine that God has chosen to be a chosen vessel unto him. But he's waiting for somebody who's willing to step out and say, I don't care that they pastor a thousand people. They need to hear the full gospel. Hallelujah. Are we ashamed of this truth? Oh, but they may reject it. They might. Or they might not. But how will we ever know if we don't tell them? I was challenged a few weeks ago sitting in that chair to go listen to a message by Brother Riggin. So I went online a day or two later, listened to a message entitled, Everybody, Everywhere, All the Time. Everybody, everywhere, all the time. Y'all remember that one? All I know is that weeks after it was preached, when I listened to it downstairs, that did something to me. We've got to have that kind of mentality that says everybody. Everybody we come into contact with is a potential child of God. Hallelujah. But are we going to take the gospel and hide it in our pocket? Or are we... Like LAAs are going to grab a sword and go to battle against the very forces of hell that would discourage us and stop us from seeing the revival that God desires to bring. Hallelujah. Are we willing to fight tonight? Are we willing to fight? How do we fight? We fight through prayer.
We fight in fasting. Amen. Look at me. I don't like to fast. <laughs> Praise God. About to starve to death. I started a diet last week. Amen. I don't like to fast. But that's kind of the point. If it was easy, it wouldn't be a whole lot of sacrifice. Kind of reminds me of David who stood at the threshing floor of Aruna. Amen. When he had numbered the people and that pestilence had fallen. And that angel was coming and killing people left and right from Dan even to Beersheba. And stopped at that threshing floor. And David was there to offer a sacrifice. And so he asked Aruna what his price was. He said, I'll give it to you. I'll even give you the sacrifice. David said, no, I will buy it. Because it's not a sacrifice if it costs me nothing. It's not a sacrifice for me to take Brother Merriman's wallet and empty it out in the offering plate. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, I gave all this money. Then Brother Merriman goes to pay at the restaurant and wonders where his went. It's not much of a sacrifice. If something is easy, it's not much of a sacrifice. But when we push that plate away and say, no, I'm going to deny this old flesh for a bit because I want to see God move. I want to make sure that my body, I'm right, that I'm walking right, that my walk with God is where it needs to be. That when that opportunity shows up, that I'm ready. Hallelujah, I'll tell you what, you better pray every morning that God will make you ready. That when the opportunity comes, that he'll make you sensitive. That you can know when's the right time to reach out. Hallelujah, I'll tell you what, we get so wrapped up in the cares of our own life that we're not heeding. That's still small voice that's talking in our ear, saying, go talk to that person. But if we're going to see revival, we better find that sensitivity to the spirit. Hallelujah. Whew. One of the ways we can fight is through giving. And yes, I'm talking about money. Amen. In support of the work of God. But I'm telling you something else that we ought to give of that oftentimes is more precious to us than our billfold, and that is our time. We hoard our time. We've got it all scheduled out in our life. I'm telling you what, you better throw that schedule out when the Holy Ghost begins to move, when the Spirit begins to move upon you. You prayed to be sensitive, so then heed what you're hearing and step out and let your schedule go that you can fight for the kingdom of God, that we can see the revival we long to see. We give of ourselves give of our time amen to the kingdom of God we got to be willing to fight when we are willing to support the man of God when he calls for those early morning prayer times when he calls for the chair chain prayers and 
what he calls those three-day fasts followed by an all-night prayer meeting. We better be willing to step out and do it willingly. Because we want to see God move again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've seen God move in this place over the last couple weeks. A lot of it's been driven by prayer. We've been praying for what's going on in Africa. We've been praying for Pastor Riggin, what he's facing in his own life. Amen. And we've seen God move. But I want to tell you that I believe that this is just a little scratch on the surface of what God's really wanting to do. Hallelujah. But if somehow we can find it in ourselves to step up a notch in our intensity. Hallelujah. You know, I don't want my prayer time just to be mumbling mindless rituals. Saying the same thing we say every time. But I want to find that place in prayer where I can get down to business with God. Because I don't want to be content to stay where I am. But somehow, to be the one who steps out in faith. Hallelujah. Because the same God whom we have felt in this place is the same God who won the battles for Shamgar, Eleazar, and Shammah. It's the same God who fed the hungry lepers that fed Samaria. Same God who healed that woman with the issue of blood. The same God who healed Bartimaeus. Same God who healed that lame man at the gate. The same who fed the 5,000 plus women and children and then turned around in 4,000. It's the same God that we feel here tonight. The same God that filled all 120 with the Holy Ghost. And then, and then they stepped down those other 3,000 and 5,000 souls. It's the same God. He's got the same desire to steal his will. That none would perish, but all would come to repentance. It's still his will to reach out to the sinner. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. He came for the beggar. He came for the poor. He came for the one that we think is too rough and we're scared of him. He, he died for them too. He died for the one that's preaching false doctrine and he desires to save their soul. You stand with me tonight. This is the same God who has promised us victory. The same God who promised us power. The same God that has promised over and over and over again to bring revival to this church. And we feel him here tonight. I believe that he's reaching for us to step out in our consecration, in our dedication and say, God, I've done some before, but God, help me to go deeper than I've ever gone before. Help me to push harder than I've ever pushed before. God, I want to be an instrument in your hand. I'll be
be the one that's willing to step out and fight. If I've got to go alone, I'll fight because it's worth fighting for. I'll be the one that's not content to sit where I've always sat, to be what I've always been. But somehow, God help me to dig down deeper. God help me to be sensitive and to respond to your spirit. God, take me deeper than I've ever been before. Because I want to see you move again. I want to see revival like never before. And God, I know I've got to be the one that gets up and goes. That gets up and fights. I can't be content to sit anymore. I can't be content to let others worship for me. I can't be content to let somebody else carry the burden of prayer. But I've got to be the one who will step out because I want to see God do it again. I want to see God move again. I want to see the revival He's promised. I want to see my family saved. I want to see the lost saved. I've got to be the one who's willing to step out. Do it again, God. Do it again, God. God, stir our hearts today. Stir our souls. God, let that fire burn inside of me. Don't let that fire be quenched. God, let me be the one who's willing to step out.
Hollywood.